Welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie of any given year is. This season, we're digging into 2001, and this week specifically, we're talking about Studio Ghibli's Spirited Away. I am your host for the entire show. This is not one of those weird shows where halfway through, a giant hook pulls me off stage and somebody else just starts taking over, uh, no matter how hard they try. (laughs) Uh, I am Mike Gravano. You know him. You love him. He's me. Uh, and with me, as always, uh, let's bring him out first because he hasn't spoken yet, is Greg. The trick is you grease yourself up. That way the hook can't find purchase on you. Then no matter how much they boo you, they can't hook you off stage. Can't, can't, just slips right off yep. over and over and mm-hmm. over again. You'll never be able to get me once I've covered myself in grease, which you know is <laughs> how I there's... handle a lot of issues. Yeah, just always covering yourself up, <laughs> <clears throat> greasing up, jumping right through those sewers. And then there's Ryan. I, I'm so happy to be here, Mike. I thought that uh, after you did such a bad job of scoring last week that you would sort of like not ask me on the show anymore. Um, but no, I'm happy to be here. Guys, uh, is this is this the earliest of any movie of the year season where we're like, yep, nope, that that's it. That's we're we're all done here. There's no reason to continue. I don't know. There's there's still there's still Royal Tenenbaums there. Ryan, uh, that I, you're you deserve an Oscar for that acting attempt, Greg. Piano teacher, a, who knows? Have that's you, a good movie. Have you even seen P- Piano Teacher? This movie belongs in 1985. It feels like a 1985 movie because it it absolutely like felt like it changed the game. It just man changed what I thought these animated movies could be. I can't believe mm-hmm. like it, it, like all it does is take the edge off of like it's it's no longer about me versus Greg or more likely me versus Mike. Yeah. Uh, and it's no longer about these eight movies versus each other. It's just like, can we just, guys, can we just sit and chill and talk about Spirit Away for two hours? Like, that's all I want to do. Yeah, to, to show just the tiniest bit of like, uh, we yeah, we come prepared. We're professionals here. Uh, we take our job seriously. We watch and the, the movie. Amount of, we, watch, we at least watch the movies. <laughs> and the amount of notes I have on Spirit Away was fewer at first because I forgot I forgot what I was doing because I was so just away. into the movie and I was spirited away. Mike, Greg. That, is, that is perfect. Away. And uh, I cannot tell you the last time a movie did that to me. This is uh, my wife. This is not the uh, last time that my wife's going to come up, but my wife watched it. Say it this. right. Say uh, Pronounce it right. The, the way that, <laughs> the way that uh, <laughs> she reviewed this movie was like, I didn't want to look at my phone once. And that's sort of like what this movie is. is like, uh, if you look away... There will be three or four or 17 of the single greatest frames of animation or celluloid or of film history that you have ever seen in your entire life. You stupid idiot. Why would you look away? And you're not going to find something brighter or prettier on your phone than is on the screen right now. Your phone won't make you feel better. The first time I watched this movie. Meanwhile, the movie's like testing your patience, though. Yeah. And so, like, you have this whole thing of, like, I, I, I want to grab my phone because I have an addiction, <laughs> but I don't because this is amazing. But I can't believe how, like, how in so much of the movie, it's just, like, calm and soothing. And yet I am still addicted to the screen in front of me instead of the screen to the left of me. Yeah, it's and, like, I, I the way I feel about it personally, too, is it's not just the scenes that were, like, festooned with detail. 
it was like even just the shots of like just her face full in the in the frame like yes. it's weird how even the simple drawings are like done on such a different level than i feel like any other that i than i've seen Greg. that like even those like more simple images are as arresting and interesting there's a scene on the train where she looks to the to the left and the camera moves in on her and it's just it, it you know it's the it's the protagonist that we've had the whole time and i'm just like What's going to happen? Is there going to be a monster? Is she going to grow? She's already grown. She's already grown so much. I'm watching her grow. Look at her. Oh, my God. Is her bottom lip She's just zoning out on the train, humming a song in her head, probably. It really is her just, like, staring off into space for the first fucking second in, like, what seems like three weeks. She has a, uh, you know, like, a moment to herself. And Mm. it's it's the most, like, you know, endearing part of the movie. Yeah. you guys are champing at the bit to just talk about the movie normally. I want to talk about this movie. You just want to pull each other puds. So I, I'm going to say we should take a break and then come back and dive straight into Spirited Away. After making films for teenagers and for little kids, Hiro Miyazaki says he wants to make a movie for 10-year-old girls after spending numerous summers with family friends with daughters of that strange time in between childhood and the adult world. Spirited Away follows 10-year-old Chihiro and her parents as they move to a new house in a new town. Hating the fact that they have to move, Chihiro also hates the fact that they don't listen to her after they make a wrong turn and find an abandoned theme park that she wisely says, let's not be here. When wandering around the Scooby-Doo villain hideout, the parents are ensorcelled into eating nonstop, and Chihiro finds herself with the adult responsibility of being beholden to spirits and otherworldly beings to try to free her folks so they don't remain pigs forever. Taste buds, I ask you this. Fitting into a long line of girl puberty fantasy movies, your Alice's in Wonders land... Your labyrinths, your Coralines, your waiting for Guffmans. How does Spirited Away speak on its maturing heroine? Very well, I think. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I think that it ta- it does that uh, age old adage of "Oh shit, girls in puberty." Uh, I don't know. Shove them through a hole and have them meet a bunch of fucking strangers and weird <laughs> things, and then when they come back out, uh, they'll be li- uh, they'll be adults, and that really is like. That's like a two hundred year old trope, right there. And I, I, it feels like one uh, sort of like additional layer to it, though, um, is that she is not just growing into herself and becoming like reliant on herself, but there's like a message here that like she is the agent of regrowth for her parents as well. And I think there's a lot of intergenerational stuff in this, and it's about like rehabilitating. Uh, um, a generation above you not just like growing into yourself but actually like finding a way to like you know bring darth vader back or get Mm -hmm. our parents not to vote for trump you know like some way of restoring the light and that's not right because that's how them to get off facebook (laughs) like that's your job that's a topsy-turvy existence and so it's it's a world that's out of sorts but that is the world that we have you know a world turned upside down to quote hamilton yeah, it's it's interesting because that's normally seen as also bad if you have to kind of raise your parents. And I guess this movie isn't saying a moral way, one way or another. It's just saying you do. Yeah, you I mean, like, isn't that the number one reason to have kids? Is I will need someone to take care <laughs> of me later. Like, I don't have a farm for my children to take care of. I just need somebody mm-hmm. to like do to me what I did to them earlier. And it just, it happens like that Chihiro's learning that way earlier than I think most kids do. But it's interesting because her parents seem like 
pretty good folks where, where so many of these the parents are pretty awful or at least the kid thinks they're awful i don't right? i don't think that's true at all dude I, really yeah they're deeply th- poisoned i don't know about i don't know if they're good or bad but they have like they have a disease they have like they have capitalism real bad <laughs> I, th- I i mean like in I, the first 10 minutes is like is that i i think a thing that typically is missing from your alice in wonders land you know, like we do spend a, a solid 10 minutes with Chihiro and her parents. And we learned that like she's kind of a child, like she's petulant. Yeah, she's scared of a brat. And that they seem like parents until and I think that like the one line and especially because we this is our third Miyazaki movie where the dad, they start to go, like they start to house the food that they see. Yeah. And he's like, I have cash and credit cards. Yeah, I can do whatever I want. Well, I guess it's it's their like. Because at that point, they're already magicked. Like, when they're walking through the tunnel, they already seem different and a little obsessed with this place. So, but I, like, I guess it's in that car ride before then that they seem solid. And so, it's, what I would do you say blame even, on the magic? What do you blame on them? Even the car ride. I would say, by when they start going down that forest road, the dad starts tearing ass. He's driving, like, way too <laughs> fast. I think that, like, they, they make a point to show that they're going way too fast for that. Like, she's bouncing around like crazy in the car, and he's, like, slumped over the steering wheel. They're already, mm. like, because I think they are particularly susceptible to this weird, like, sirens call, because they're already kind of, like, piggish consumers. Mm-hmm. So it like it attracts them even more than it attracts other people, but I think they're ensorcelled like, basically right away. And the, uh, the whole thing that like, oh my god, this is an abandoned amusement park. Like we have to stop. Like what else is a call for like fat capitalistic <laughs> morons than an amusement park? And then like the abandoned part, I guess that's cool to see too. But it's yeah, a lot I, like I, Pinocchio, I, I, right? Right. And yeah. I definitely they are drawn to it in a way that like they they can't control. You know, like it's not just like. Miyazaki was like, well, I got to have a story start somewhere. They're like, oh, what is that? I can feel it drawing me into that. How do you guys feel about that? Like throughout the film, not just the beginning when she's like, it's scary. Don't go in here, which could be just a little kid thing. But like she does intuit all the right things to do at every moment. Do you think it's the power of kindness she brings into the world that the otherworldly spirits don't? Or is she kind of a Mary Sue? I No, I definitely don't think that. And fucking take away a point for you even saying that i think that uh what she does she's in this perfect middle ground of like i don't know like too dumb to understand how everything works and you know and i think that it's purposely started off with that when she's like i uh, i only gotten one flower before and then this is the first time i've gotten many flowers and i want even more flowers you know like she she has that in the beginning but then she also recognizes, you know, like game or lack of game recognizes game. But I don't want that. I don't want how piggy you guys look. And it yeah. comes off as like typical, uh, you know, 13-year-old girl daughter embarrassment. But it's also correct. Don't fucking act like that. Jesus yeah. Christ. Don't eat mystery food <laughs> where nobody's around, where most of the buildings are rotted, and you say it'll be fine later because I have be credit fine. cards. I have credit cards. I think she is um, She's a character of destiny, and whether or not she has that destiny that's just like born into her or whether or not it comes into her when she falls into the, the river and interacts with uh, Kohaku, the, the river spirit, at that moment. But from that time forward, she's more in tune with the spirits. And so I think her initial wanting to move, to not go deep into the amusement park is this is not a place for us. Like We're not supposed to be here. And she's very respectful of the rules of spirits, and that saves her many, many times. The fact that she like bows to spirits and mm-hmm. is considerate of them rather than like you know uh, acting like in a peremptory way with them so i i think that she is she starts off very in tune 
with the the spirit world but she are she does have the a little bit of the corruption and you do see that in the flowers the fact that she is so mm-hmm. attached to the flowers the fact that she's like so despondent over a change in life rather than like embracing it she she does seem like um she has the disease from her parents because like first of all they're driving around in an audi which i have to say that was remarkable to me like a german like the logo luxury. is straight up there yeah, like, yeah, it's and, unmistakable. That's the car they're driving, and there's just like, I mean, that you know, so they're like, that's an imported car. They kind of have a Western style of dress. It seems like for they, sure they almost. My wife at first was like, "Are they American?" It'd be like because they just seem like they have Western capitalist ideas, um, and, and that that has descended onto her a little bit at the in the beginning. Yeah, I don't think this is the last time that, like, Chihiro's going to come up as, like, being American as opposed to human. But I think that, like, how the movie is so nuanced is, like, she has to, you know, move forward and sort of, like, want to break away from her parents, but not really. And then also want to, in- want to move into this new world, but not really. And it's that ba- it's the battle of the not reallys that uh, I-, I think separate it from most animated movies where it's like, oh, shit, act one's over. Then now I want this instead. Yeah, you know, it, it like <laughs> instead it, it's all these baby steps of like the parents weren't that bad, but they were right. just uh, they were just bad enough to like push her on to her next phase of life, which is I think pretty realistic because pretty realistic. That's yeah. how most parents work. Is like uh, we don't want you to be be to you know get older, and also we do, and also instead of like training you, we're just gonna be fat fucking pigs in the meantime. And and the, what you're saying the be this but not really go a little this way but not really it does feel like that because the movie is not saying western is wrong eastern is correct it's it is like here are the what parts of western capitalism that are not right and here's like maybe there's some sort of our tradition that is also not right there's like too many rules or intergenerational issues and how they all treat sound like shit yeah i mean i think that we can agree after three we've watched three Miyazaki movies that uh, as like as thick as the themes are it's extremes that are the worst right yeah Mm -hmm. and so uh, basically what we're doing is moving from world to world and saying that if it's any if if it's any far to this way or that way I don't know if that's a good idea that's I think one thing that's kind of interesting is I I happened to watch both the the subtitled version and the the dubbed version I watched the dubbed version first because I didn't realize I actually had access to the subtitled version so I watched them both and one kind of interesting difference is at the end of the subtitle version, um, Haku says that the river, or no, rather, uh, Chiharu says the river has been like, in the, in the subtitled one, she says the river has been covered over, so it's still there. It's just right. been, there's been like a road built over it. And in the English version, they say that the river has been filled in. I think that's a really important distinction because I think the idea is supposed to be that the spirit is still within Japan specifically right? and that they just have to find a way to feel it within themselves again, that it's not apparent, but it's still in there and it can be redeemed. And then it's kind of dire and very sad and depressing that in the American version, it's just like, nope, it's gone. Like you have, we yeah. have filled it in. We have erased the river. We have erased where the spirit can come from. But it, yeah, but in the way that I watched it though, with like Haku, he was like... Although there's very clearly apartments on top of what I used to be or what I used to spirit above, now that I know who I am, it feels like there's hope there. At least there's yeah. promise. You know, like as long as you can re- you can go find you can refine like who you are and who you're meant to be, then you can do something. Even though uh, uh, that 
capitalism has sort of like bullshitted its way over you. Yeah, if if you know your roots. The other there's one. No, Greg. The other big difference, uh, just while we're talking about it, is um, as they're driving away in the American version, uh, the Alec Baldwin is fuck dad is like so. What do you think? Uh, what do you think, Chihiro? Like, it's a, a new year. Are you going to be okay? And she's like, yeah, Dad. I think I'm going to be just okay. In the Japanese version, it's silently going off into the yeah. forest, which is a much better way to handle that last part. <laughs> hey, the, what, do you think the, what do you think the moral of this story was? Be okay with growth and change? That's right, sport. Let's go to the credits. <laughs> in the American one, she jumps in the air, freeze frame, credits go. She puts her hand out. Trapper Keeper hits right into her hand. She's going to go fucking fuck a bunch of dudes, probably. United States forever. The last thing before we uh, move on off this topic is uh, there's a certain point, like, Chihira's already trapped, and then her entire world becomes an island. She's surrounded by water, and she gets a job pouring water on people. She also hangs out with the river spirit, uh, and rivers have water. What are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? What do you mean? Uh... This last one you want to throw in right now? I I I mean like uh, there's the obvious stuff of like how water cleanses, water is rebirth, water is change, right? Like mm-hmm. you know like there's a very hopefully we get to the segment later, but there's a very clear with a bunch of wa- with enough water and effort you can become an entirely different person. Uh-huh. I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of it of like uh you know if you uh, cleanse yourself from your old self and then become whatever you're about to be. But I think we see like the no balance. matter what your circumstances are. No, because I think we see the balance in that too. Like I mean, I I, I think that you know the answer is always going to come back to balance. But there is such thing as too much water. Like when she lets the water overflow at one point, or when they're just like completely you know removed from the entire world and even the train is like getting filled up by you know by the water. I got the sense in those moments that like that was even an abundance of that element, you know, is too much. That's not like in harmony. I think the movie in general too, is trying to do a lot of like control the uncontrollable, you know, like to have to like, cause water is just so uh, forceful and everywhere. And then to have like people who are specifically working and like, let's see if we can conquer this, this God made thing that is always so powerful. And we will have control instead of that. I think that's a lot of it too is, how long can you control all the changes in your life before you can't? And then yeah. life is going uh, is about to take over. As, they make like, it some conform sort of to this like machinery with inside the bath. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you think that at that moment, she, they think they can control it, but all of them stop leaving when they're in an island. But she's like, I'll just walk with the water and through sort the water of, yeah. then. Yeah. And that's the other thing. If we're going to go back to Lord of the Rings, like for a lot of monsters, it's very scary. You know, sometimes they stop right at the shore and they're like, oh no. But <laughs> I do think if you can figure some stuff out, if you understand how fluid it is, I guess, like if you can control the fluidity of it, then you think that you can control your own fluidity. But I, I, I'm not even sure the movie's saying that. I, I, I think the movie's saying like, everything is fluid no matter what. Mm. Yeah, learn to not control yeah. it right. so much. Shit is going Go. to change. Also, that flow. I think that there is a very surface level thing with the water where it's just, it's very pleasing. Like, what a pleasing backdrop. I wanted to soak in each of those tubs so bad. Like, even more than the delicious looking food, when like they would show just like an establishing shot of a steamy room, I'd be like, oh my god. And then a oh, big yeah. weirdo soaking into the water, and I'd be like, oh, I wish I were that big weirdo. All those duck chickens with leaf hats? Dude, duck chickens with yeah. leaf hats forever. 
the steamy rooms, like, and then the rain too. Like yes. uh, every time I watch a movie with rain, I'm like, get out of the rain, come in. Uh, I'm I'm watching this movie in my house. You should come into my house because you're getting wet. And the rain here was just, it looks so great and natural. It was like, oh, I want to be out in that rain. That sound does, of course, mean that somebody is trying to offer something, and I think what they're offering us is a, a short break that we won't take too much of. And when we come back, Mount Rushmore. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening so far. And let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com, and it's everything you need that's related to pop filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way we get a little piece of the action and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's YourPopFilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review. Bye! Mount Rushmore! We, of course, know what that song means because it says Mount Rushmore, and before that I said we're going to do Mount Rushmore. So, right now, of course, we're doing some Mount Rushmore, which is the most famous American mountain, being known because it was just naturally formed (laughs) with four predicting four of our greatest president's faces on it, and that is it. But our Mount Rushmore is (laughs) the four... Greatest pieces of fashion of 2001. So, do you want to put each of these fashions on one of the presidents? Yes, that is historically speaking for sure. So, in in each of your pitch, you can mention that if you wish. When this is, and of course, this is kind of like echoing the way on the real Mount Rushmore for the holidays and stuff. They dress them each up, <laughs> like so for Halloween, yeah. they each have like a costume on, usually like one of the more traditional costumes. Uh- they're I was surprised Jack's that Thomas sense. Jefferson was David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> but he did not get the memo. He just was in that stupid pumpkin suit. So let's kick it right the F off. Kick it. Greg, you are the winner. And we haven't made it a big deal this whole episode yet. Like, I think we've been pretty cool about uh-huh. it. But we're, you were my best friend all last week because you won Fellowship of the Ring. We are currently besties. We are a we, fellowship of two. Hold on. Like he that. won the movie of the year episode that talked about the movie Fellowship of the Ring. He did not win like to be in charge of the Fellowship of the Ring. Correct. He is not leading those eight other people down to the mountain to take control of the ring. He just right. won one podcast. Thank goodness. I am not leadership material, and I recognize that. You know, it's great to know yeah. your own limitations. Yeah. I'm like take a good, it away, a good second or third in charge, but I'm good at going first. <laughs> when it comes to this segment. All right, we're having a little fun. Uh, 2001 was about not just style, but comfort. And if comfort was comfortable enough, you could throw style right out the window as you slide on your Ugg boots. Were your feet cold before? They'll be sweaty in moments. 
Ugg boots. Uh, I feel like for a while we were supposed to like maybe hate these boots, but I think that was code for just hating women, which I don't feel like doing. Uh, I also don't hate pumpkin spice latte because I don't hate women. Um, so Ugg boots, they seem comfortable, but they would make my feet sweat, but also they seem what are, famous at this time. What about pumpkin spice Ugg boots? Yeah, I have no, pro- I have absolutely no problem with that. I need He's- that because my feet sweat in sandals. So if you're going to put furry boots on them, at least give it some sort of deodorizer. Every time you step in sandals, Mike, it's like you just stepped in a puddle and splashes everyone in the eyes. Mm-hmm. And people love it. And people, people love are it. talking about it more and more. Yeah, I think it was uh, trying to remember 2001. I think it was the fact that you're wearing uh, boots that are made for winter. And that's just what I'll do. <laughs> Uh, but then you were also wearing like a tank top and cut off denims. Yeah, it was it was the real the upstairs downstairs of your outfit. Like, are you cold? Are you not? But if you're like a ninety pound woman, and most people who I saw wearing UGG boots were ninety pound women, like no matter what you're wearing, you're cold, especially your feet. And th- obviously, that's they why they never show like- up on their wedding days. <laughs> If your feet are cold, you look down, you're like, ugh, boots. Mm-hmm. Then you have to put them on. Uh, I, I think that is a great first pick, but I like to keep the the tension going. Uh, as we all know, I'm a fan Drama. of. So uh, that's going to go on the maybe pile for now. Ryan? So this I did have to go to my wife for, but uh, I once she Cheating. explained it to me, it's so clear. It's It's something that's... And I would like you guys to look this up because when I say it, I don't know if you're going to know what I mean, but when you look it up, you don't know, it's uh, it's something called chunky highlights, where instead of uh, just making all of your brown hair slightly more blonde, you would just have uh, brown, blonde, brown, blonde, as it, a, and that would be your highlights. It's like somebody looked at the old Jack Kirby images of Crystal the Inhuman, but then instead of having it be sideways and black, they're like, what if we do it vertical and blonde? Boom, there you go. Looks dumb but, for everyone. If I was host, Mike, I would give you like three points for saying that shit. Right. Two more. I'll give myself one. I like this segment because uh, it's just like, what were attractive women up to in this year? And because <laughs> this is, some of these are pretty wild and look pretty awful. But when you put it on like a model, it looks okay. It, sure. Like, then you see them two years later when they've gotten rid of that, and you're like, oh no, it was awful. These are full <laughs> on so much stripes. better without that. These are like zebra yeah. stripes. Like this is yikes! Stripes, fruit stripe gum for sure. Wow. I'm on. This is but- upsetting. I don't like this. <laughs> we have to remember that, like, Quicker when, the drum, you, please. when you walked out of the salon with these chunky highlights, and by the way, they were called chunky. There had to have been a better name than that. Uh, you were like, oh my God, I look so good because I ha- I still have my all of my brown hair, but then I've got bl- blonde, blonde everywhere. Mm-hmm. This is 2001 to me. It's very 01. Very I feel good like choice. Legolas had it. I feel like uh, <laughs> Tahiri had it. We'll uh, we'll see if it makes the mountain. It's on the maybe pile for now. Greg, you're crazy. You're crazy. All right. Um, let's. This see. is what it's like, Greg. This is what it's like for me now. Um, denim is of course very popular of of any time, but it's always I feel like expressed differently generation to generation. And when I think 2001, I think the denim miniskirt. My wife, who I was dating at the time, had one of these. And it's just like, it's like they take the jeans of a fat man and they just cut out one section of them and then they wrap it around the lady. Uh, so her skirt was one fat man's leg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah rumor has it is uh, after the 90s and the, the Party Monster era, they had so many Jenko baggy jeans <laughs> left over 
that they just started chopping them up and making skirts for the ladies. I mean, that's what the rumor. That's what the rumors say. Rumor has. Yeah. Uh, that that I is going to go straight Woo! up on that mountain. Feels good. It always feels good to get something on the mountain. Ryan, what do you got? So confusing. I uh, 2001 was all about 2000 was about let's have hats <laughs> that are just fully fold out and like there's no holes in the front, there's no holes in the back. But what if we were to take the front part, leave it alone. Take the back part, poke a million little holes in the back. And then now girls are wearing hats and Ashton Kutcher's wearing hats. And Ashton Kutcher's like, you got punked and I'm in this hat. And truckers were like, I've, I've been wearing that hat for a really long time. And I do not like how people are treating me right now. It's the trucker hat. And then Ashton Kutcher starts yeah. pissing in a bottle and throwing it out the window. And suddenly it's like everybody is pissing in a bottle and throwing it out the window. And they all punked. They all punked. <laughs> Everybody's punked. And that was the theme of that show is, uh, it turns out, we're all punked. Yeah, America is the ultimate punked. Uh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. And they this. always said Von right. Dutch. But like, what was They Von often Dutch? did. Those were the doucheists. Von is a common Dutch pre-last name. Oh, okay. You know, like just about your, la- uh, your last name was about to happen, then you throw a Von in mm-hmm. there, and then Dutch is what those people were. So Von Dutch. Mm-hmm. Very straightforward. I appreciate it. Comes that. out. Thank you. Tracks. You learn uh-huh. something every time you listen to this show. I thought you were going to say every time you listen to Ryan. And I was like, wow, what a compliment. No. <laughs> that is. Uh, every other that? time so, tops. Greg. Yes. Your, your move. My move. All right. Uh, 2001 was the time of the midriff. Um, <laughs> very short shirts like low rise jeans and then just the entire middle of the woman exposed. And uh so what is it say the name of this category again? What is this? Fashion? No, 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 no not the overall category, the, the name of your your submission. Oh, midriff? I've I've just never heard anybody say it like that. How do they how how am I supposed to say it? Midriff? I don't know if you're right or they're wrong, but I I just needed to hear it again. I like it midriff. What is it though, really? Oh no! I I I don't know. Sorry, to, I, I didn't mean to bring this to a screeching halt. So the midriff, yes, it was out to play for sure. Abs for days. Midriff is what I think it is. The region of the front of the body between the chest and the waist. Midriff. I like it. That's it's fine. It's uh, I'm just gonna throw it on there because now I feel bad. Let's <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Ryan, all right. One more, and then we're trucking into speed round. Yeah. Uh, all right. So this is definitely a maybe. Then, um, I appreciate when uh, you like pink tops, you like pink pants. What if they were both pink? But I do not know how to describe your butt. Give me a word. <laughs> is it juicy? Yes, your butt is juicy. Uh, I like the time where uh, designers, designer clothes companies would say like, "Let's be called juicy," and then. <laughs> I, I honestly thought that it, uh, these pants were just describing butts. It was like hypercolor, uh-huh. and it, like the words would change depending on the butt that they were on. But no, it turns out that the company was Juicy, and they spent all their money making velour tracksuits for people and then putting Juicy right on the butt. And I don't care if I'm right or they're right. I just like it. I just <laughs> I just think it should be on the mountain. It, it the, the placement was always weird because uh, I was in high school at this time, and there was definitely uh, a lot of... Uh, Juki butts, 
because that eye would disappear <laughs> right up that butt crack. And uh, maybe they should rework their font in that meaning. Uh, I think that is going to be a hard one to beat. You each get two for the speed round. Greg. It's like, do you see my butt? Uh, how about uh, the like, sort of pop punk off center lip piercing? This this is awful. How about the, worst, the, pop the fish punk, hook? Uh, off center eye piercing. Oh, just go into all the things. Just the forehead. Uh, back to Greg. Um, I think that's all. That's all the ones I have. Okay, that's Later. it, Ryan. We've talked a lot about dudes having to pop two collars instead of one, but we should give credit to the girls saying one tank top. Nah, <laughs> a different color tank top on top of that. That would be good. Two tank tops at the same time. We didn't think science could handle it. Science did. That is a good one, but I think that ranged for too long. Supreme to be O one specifically. Your Mount Rushmore of 2001 fashion is coming out hot in a tight denim miniskirt. Boom. Abraham Lincoln. Uh, keeping it real, real douchey is not FDR. What's the other one? TDR in his trucker hat. Uh Rocking that midriff is Abraham Lincoln, and then in just a perfect matching velour suit. Who's the fourth president? Thomas Jefferson? Washington. I forgot. General Washington and Juicy. Uh, But they are all wearing the extra accessory that would have gotten you each three points if you had said it, is they all have an iPod and earbuds, and it is not plugged in. It is not on, but it is brand new, (laughs) and everybody freaking loves it. So... That is Mount Rushmore. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more Spirited Away. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, you could pay for Ryan to draw you a picture. Uh, I can write you a poem. You can get the shirts off our very own backs. All of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter. While you're on the internet, you should check out Shady Monk. He does all the tunes you've been listening to. He's on Bandcamp. He's on Spotify, uh, SoundCloud, wherever kids get their music these days that I'm too old to know. Shady Monk lives there. Uh, you could probably follow him on Twitter and Instagram as well. That's Shady Monk. Wherever you get music, check him out. Taste, buds. I would like to talk about the villains, and there are a lot of important ones uh, throughout the film. So let's start off. First, uh, do you, let's focus in on Yubaba. Can she be boiled down to a traditional villain? Yeah, that's so hard. I mean, it's like villain always sort of like, I guess, like presupposes that all you care about is villainy or revenge or something. Mm-hmm. She's definitely like, she does bad things, but it doesn't seem like she's really villainous that much. She's just like, uh, kind of like a very bad boss who sort of enslaves people so that's like uh, the, yeah, she doesn't slave people and turn so her parents into pigs and there's a lot of yeah. pigs there but i mean like, like it's not just a hero like do you remember when the spider-man the uh the guy in the basement who is moving all the things he's like hey guy. soot get back yeah. to work or she's going to change you back into just soot 
So that's sort of like her thing is like, uh, if you don't work for me, then I'm gonna I'm gonna change you back into yeah. like basically like not a real thing. Yeah, everybody, and, even the people who look down at Chihiro, nay Sen, uh, are afraid of you, Papa. The Frogman, Lin, like all the other nameless ladies who work there. And it's not Disney because it's not like, uh, I'm just evil because I'm evil. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's not even the personal revenge thing, you know? Like, even, like, let's say the witch from Snow White was like, I think that I could be cool. I think that I could, like, live my life. But fucking Snow White makes me so bad <laughs> that I'm going to be evil forever. It's not even that. It's just like, hey, I got to run this business. I have to run this business. And the best way to run this business is to do this and this and this. And therefore, you are fucking evil. You know, like that's the point is to not make it like a two dimensional, like, ha ha ha, Disney villain. I'm Cruella DeVille. I'm Ursula. It's like, oh, she's a businesswoman. The worst kind of fucking evil possible. (laughs) Yeah. Like the the banality of cruelty or like that. That's what does it. Everything she does, she has to fucking pull a form out and then fill it out and sign it. Like, Yeah. And that's just how she's evil. She got. She gave Shahira the job because Haku tells her, like, no matter what, just keep asking for a job. And she's like, why did I make that oath? Like, there's definitely in her contract is if somebody asks for a job enough, you got to give it to them. Yeah, that's, like, just in their nature, I think. These spirits, it's in their nature to, like, be making deals and mm-hmm. having, like, you know, like, uh, secret language. But, yeah, you know, after, like, sort of condemning um, the real japanese world through the parents she's kind of that same condemnation of even the spirit world like she has fallen into that same trap she herself Mm -hmm. is a pig she like this bath should be something beautiful and nice but it's become so polluted by this idea that it has to run at like hyper efficiency and do a crazy amount of business and bring in Mm -hmm. a ton of gold that it like has built itself into an evil enterprise and And what that does at the head of it basically what that does is, is it like if we want to talk about Disney, it turns itself into a reverse like uh, Sleeping Beauty where uh-huh. instead of like, oh, you just work and now you're a princess in a fantasy, now go be a princess. You're just a normal person. Welcome to the fantasy. Now go work. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's like it's this weird fantasy world of like, no, but if you want to stay here, now you have to go be the slave. That That's what she's done. Is she's made it seem like, oh, yeah, no, like it looks like Disney. And it it yeah. feels like you're in Disney, but no, you have to learn how to put your rag on the ground and run it at back and forth as hard as the other people, or we will destroy you. Yeah, if if so, you've talked a lot about how Yubaba is not a Disney villain. What what is there anything that connects her to your traditional Disney villain? Well, I mean, the I think that, around her. I mean, she she has a very. I think she has like a, a the hyper color look of her, and and um like yeah. The, She's grotesque to look at, right? I yeah. mean, like, but it, grotesque be- and inviting at the same time. I mean, she's so detailed, but the detail is kind of off-putting, but in kind of like a fun way. Mm-hmm. And like the amazing part about this movie is that, like, in the last thirty minutes, when it sort of does become a normal Disney movie, you know, we meet her twin sister, and uh-huh. you got you sort of get to see like the trick of animation. If a person with this hideous face has like a supportive voice coming right. out of it, yeah. you're like, oh, okay, cool. She is choosing, and her twin sister says, no, you know, like, we're the same, but we're very different. She chooses to be in the top tower with all of the Western things, you know? Like, she decides that she's going to be as evil. Like, there's no... You don't have to run things like that. She has decided that. And I think the twin sister's condemnation of her sister, of Yubaba, is, like, the most evil thing we hear. Everything else sort of feels like business as usual. 
And it, Granny is an interesting. That's what uh, Chihiro starts calling her because she. We when we meet her, she is also evil. Uh, she's bloodied up Haku in his dragon form. She turns the baby and the weird bird Granny thing into <laughs> a smaller weird bird thing. Like, and she almost kills uh, Chihiro. What what is she there? Is she a villain? Is she just a random antagonist to show the neutrality of people? Like she's been, so, she's someone who has like just been attacked. And so now she's a, like she's striking back. So when you first see her, because you don't understand who she is or what what's going on. Yeah. You see her like as a hostile force. And then it's when like, there's this kind of integration of going to, to visit her and like to really see who she is that like moves it beyond a like, conflict and into like sort of sort of like a harmony a coming into like alignment with her but she like first of all she, she comes in and she turns it into the disney movie that is like it, it's actually appreciated at that point right like we uh, we gotta go we somewhere have, at some point right we have enough of the miyazaki <laughs> imagination let's just like let's get to the end real quick and you know she shoots tranks while her sister shoots guns right like yeah. the sister wants to own people forever she says oh that spell wore off Two hours ago, you could just shake it off, and right. uh, her uh, her victims are like, nah, "I don't want to." So, you know, like she is trying to, she is the 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 witch in Wizard of Oz or whoever that is like trying to. She's there to like teach lessons and morals, and always has this like upstanding view of how life should work in mind. Right. Whereas Yubaba is the the Trump of it all. Mm-hmm. Like I like at a certain point, either I was born this black and dark or uh, at a certain point I became like this where all I can care about is set very self-serving things. And I think that's the whole point of Miyazaki things is that uh, that's why they all, they always have kids as uh, protagonists is that like you're, you haven't yet learned how, how selfish you could be. You know, yeah. y- you are, you're in that position where you're going to learn that, Oh, selfish is bad. Whereas everyone in every other movie, if you're not the protagonist is like selfish, what? Hell yeah. Let me do that shit. Yeah, is it so bring up Trump, you guys talked about capitalism earlier. So like the spirit world is still filled with like money and finite resources. They're all like oh, yeah. after those tokens. Uh so how does that generation gap that Miyazaki brings, how does that connect to the evils of capitalism? Kind of a different kind of villain than you, Baba. Uh, I mean, we talked about with the parents that that one line of I have cash, I have credit cards, yeah. I can do whatever I want. And that and it's what no face learns right no face is wild and around wild and out for a little bit and then he learns that oh if i uh shoot gold out of my hands then i can get anybody to do whatever i want and then they become the worst part of themselves even if like even He's if like they watch me eat right? up mm-hmm. their society then they'll still do it if i make gold uh, yeah is is that so no no face is like this tertiary thing he doesn't move the plot along yeah. he for a while, it seems like only Chihiro can see them, but he is like the spirit other spirits are scared of. But what what does he represent here? Is it just codependence? Is it the, if you have too much, if you give a moose a muffin, too much birthdays in the Berenstein Bears? I yeah, think the, it's, it's I like think he's, co- the, he, he's the next step of Gordon Gecko, basically, based on how you <laughs> asked that question. Like, he, like, greed is good. I don't think it is. And it's because of no face. Great, but see, sorry. I, 
I, I think that um, I think he I think he's a weird figure in that he takes on the characteristics of those around him. So ultimately, he is redeemable. But he gets into this bathhouse and he is reflecting the greed that he sees mm. in people, and that creates a vicious cycle that creates more greed in them, which he reflects more back to them until he consumes them in the same way they want to consume. And then when he is finally made sick of all that stuff and he sticks it up and then is moved into a more supportive environment, you get the sense that he could echo something better. Like he could echo either what's good in people or he can echo what's bad in people. And he'll Which just, I, you know, there's two wolves inside him. Which one is he going to feed, guys? Right? Mike, could you hit the point button for me, bud? Which is why it, it's so crazy that... Uh, for having to listen Miyaz- to that. <laughs> Miyazaki had him follow Chihiro, right? Like that... <laughs> Because that I think that's such a strong point is that like it wants to follow Jihiro. Yeah. We just don't let it. We stand in its way and we do whatever it wants and we let it take us in and take the gold and have it become us. And but uh, what it actually wants to do is follow the pure person, it, which it, it thanks and it, make thanks, that noise, which is off putting. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> that's just the noise that any simp once where they, they like the other person they is quote unquote in control but you with with your gross pathetic simpness you are actually controlling this whole thing like please take this i think i think it's important to note that like it capitalism is not uh on its own terrible you know this this thing that can like produce gold out of his hands is not terrible capitalism plus the worst of us is what makes it a monster and if we were to all be a hero then i we can all exist you know, like, Chihiro goes to a different land, you know, <laughs> like how we thought, like how we wish communism worked, which is just like, hey, stay over there. And that's fine. They go to a different land and she's like, no, stay here, which I'm going to say is America. Just guessing by how like, uh, you know, Japan was making movies at this time. You stay over here and I think that you'll be OK or we don't care. But don't fucking come back on the train again and come back to our land. She's saying that to no face. Yeah. Like no, hey you like endless, for for the good of him, it, it and them, everyone for the good of everyone. Your your constant like capitalism will just take the the face of whoever it eats. Mm. So why don't you stay here and right. we're gonna go back go back over here it, uh, as a and like Chihiro says straight up, let's get him out of the bathhouse. He clearly yeah. does not belong in the bathhouse. Yeah. yeah, and like and he fucks the whole thing like all of their things that like have been around for seemingly hundreds of years all go to shit but they were the already no face bad doesn't he just reveal how bad they were maybe but that i mean that's the other part too is that uh get capitalism out of here so it doesn't reveal how bad we have it over here like that <laughs> uh, i i think that take still stands see that's why that's why he's codependent i think though mike because he does like he comes he finds a situation that is in bad shape and he is like an uh, a catalyst or something he just lowers how much time it takes for it to go completely bad so he makes it go faster but it's i think playing on the same thing that like the it would go it would happen even without him he just makes right. it go quicker you know so he's like he's feeding the worst parts of them and they feed the worst parts of him and i mean there is a thing at some point where they're like oh no it's a no face spirit in the same way that they say oh no it's a oh no it's a uh stink spirit Stinky. you know but they never say that. Oh no, it's a radish spirit. Like they right. know to keep the no faces out of there. Like, and like the only way that I we can continue something... to function is to not have this person in here because yeah, it's gonna shine a, you know, it's gonna shine a light on what we're doing here. 
And clearly he's not allowed in. It's just that she leaves the door open for him because she doesn't quite know the the rules. I don't think he normally gets in, but she's like, she doesn't know a spirit that's allowed yeah, in, a spirit right. that isn't. So she's, she's like, you want to come in? Like, hey, you look weird. So does everybody else. Yeah. Why don't you come on hey, in? This all place is crazy. And there is I'm, something sympathetic about him, especially oh, yeah, when he's like sure, outside dude. floating outside. Yeah, he's in the rain and they all, obviously all the spirits hate the rain. He's, he's like the only spirit, I think, that is out there actually standing in the rain. They see that it's raining and they're like, fuck, get inside. And that's when Yubaba's like, someone's going to try to sneak in because it's raining. So like, mm-hmm. obviously the running water, the falling ro- water is not good for them and he's stuck in it. And so she feels bad for him and it's like, <laughs> come on in. And I guess it's vampire rules. I, I Like, you know, you never know quite, we never know, I never know quite like what cultural stuff we're missing. Mm. I don't feel like it's necessary to enjoy it, but you know, the, the things like that. I would just I, always assume vampire rules, though. There's always <laughs> vampire rules. It's going to always rules. be vampire rules. <laughs> I recommend you shut the fuck up. Okay, that is all the time we have there. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, something completely different. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny. Or very sad, and perhaps now you have something to think about. Or very problematic, and perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to. So why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at Your Pop Filter. Email contacts at Your Pop Filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Happy medium. Happy medium a, to you, too, medium Mike. To you, and a happy Woo, medium happy is that time of year. Happy yeah. medium. Happy medium. Is, of course, uh, where we like to sit around, uh, chat like friends, and say, oh, you liked this thing, Spirited Away, in this case. You'll probably also like this other thing. And let's be honest, we're hitting that peach hookah so hard. <laughs> like, it's our favorite flavor, and we're getting in on it. Yeah, it's all about that peach hookah, and we're just eating waffles and having a good old time <laughs> with pals. Why did Droppad have to say that? Droppad's just into waffles sometimes. Droppad's always thinking about waffles. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it gets sassy sometimes. Yeah, it keeps it real. No. You do. Whoa, you do get sassy. Chill out a little there. <laughs> the crowd loves when me and Droppad have a lovers' quarrel. By the way, uh, we have social distanced ourselves from the live studio audience. They are, of course, all caught like together, maskless, but we are safely removed yeah. from them. Private island. Everybody tested negative. Just a fun summer. Private island. I love how Drophead, though, uh, whoever is hosting, will slowly wheel itself to who- whosever house is the host. <laughs> yeah. you know, it, it took, <laughs> took Drophead like six or seven months to get to your house, Mike, but there- he's there. There was a gap in between the 1985 season and the 2001 season for that exact reason. Drop Pad had to. Uh, thankfully, none of us are really on the East Coast because if Drop Pad yeah. rolled through Philly, it, it would have, have through Philly. been fucking dead. Yeah, this crowd hates Philly and so do we. <laughs> the batteries rain down. <sighs> Let the batteries rain down over Africa. <laughs> Let I think the batteries the- <laughs> rain down over me. Let them burn away my face and stuff. Sorry, continue, Mike. No, I was into the song. I, was, <laughs> I wanted to know where it was going to go. Uh, so happy medium. I think it's all clear what we're talking about now. Different kinds of batteries. Ryan, <laughs> take it away. Triple A, man. It sounds like it's going to be smaller than double A. No, wait. Is it smaller than double A? It is smaller it than double A, yeah. Yeah. So it really lives up to that. <laughs> it really lives up. You'd think it, ha- it has an extra A. It'd be bigger, but it's smaller. Uh, 
so Mike, you've, you've talked a lot about uh, Spirited Away type movies, right? We talked about Alice in Wonderland, Wizard of Oz, Coraline, Labyrinth. But uh, the one that I want to talk about right now is like an album, because that's a different medium, or a TV show. Just but for a sec, you're talking about something else. I'm into it. What if I was to pick a movie? And uh, I think that the You fell that the for movie, that, Mike. I really did. I think that the movie that uh, reminds me the most of this is, uh, as, as great as all those movies are, I think it's Pan's Labyrinth that uh, really has the imagination of Spirit Away. You know, like uh, in, in two ways. One... I've never seen these monsters before, yeah. which is a similar thought that I got through a lot of Spirit Away, but also the backstory. You know, like basically when Dorothy was in Kansas, it was just to be like, uh, uh, all right, let me look at these three fellas and maybe I'll see them again later. And then they become her three fellas. But Pan's Labyrinth's background before she's in the labyrinth of war going on and also I'm your new abusive father. I'm... Um, I think that these two movies work very well with each other. I feel like that they're they're sort of stepping stones, and uh, you know, Spirit Away is for probably your younger crowd, mm-hmm. and then when people are ready for the GDT, they can now get into the GDT. Who I don't think we've ever done a movie of the year about, which is crazy. It is crazy, and I think we could have this time. Devil's Backbone, I believe, was two thousand and one, but uh, a phenomenal movie didn't quite make. Go watch it. Not for us. Don't tell us about it. It's a great movie, but you'll never hear us never, talk about you, it. We'll tell you when we're going to do a show about it. How about? Probably not ever. But yeah, I love this. I... A downer, though, man. <laughs> yeah, in a way that this one is not so much. Yeah, different ending, for sure. I just, I love how like over the last hundred years, society has just said like, oh man, girl going through puberty. Let's do it this way. And they all do it the same way. And although it does feel a little hands-off and it feels a little like, I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty, it still comes up with these fantastic ideas, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's sort of what I love about the... All all of the movies I mentioned are great. But Pan's Labyrinth is a movie that I I, I think was talked about a lot when it came out and then has been a little bit forgotten since then. Yeah. Unless people do where they just put their hands up over their eyes and everybody shudders. Like it raves. What? At raves, aren't isn't that the big dance at raves? Yeah, that's isn't that the what big everybody rave does? Dance. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody well, uh, shudder. <laughs> Great Ryan. submission, Ryan. We'll give you one for just mentioning Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, Greg, what do you got for me, Mike? I read books. Have you guys heard of these things? They're <laughs> Stacks of paper Love with books. delightful stories inscribed upon their pages. And the book I'm reading recently uh, is a book that I have like seen many times. And actually, most people read it in high school. And I just never did. And so then I never ended up reading this book. And after a while, you start thinking it's just for like kids. Um, and I read it recently, and I was blown away. And it is House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. Um, and it is the story of a young Esperanza Cordero who is moving from place to place in Chicago. And it's a story of the, the, like about her, but it also becomes a story about how twisted and wrong the world she inhabits is and how there is no sense or order explained to her on what life really is and what's really expected of her. And that the way she finds out is through brutal experience being humiliated and assaulted but at the same time 
it's not like a dire, terrible, awful book, even though dire, terrible, awful things happen in it. There's like this real intense beauty um, in in various different parts, whether it be like a music box inside a junk store um, or the stories of a relative uh, or one night at a dance with a dancing with your uncle in front of everybody. Like there's these magical moments that are every bit as wonderful as, as the kinds of things that you see in Spirited Away. And the connection is, is made more clear because Spirited Away is like Alice in Wonderland. And uh, House on Mango Street actually alludes to Alice in Wonderland by by way of alluding to a poem within it. Um, and it is just like, I don't know, it, it's a book that like high school freshmen are supposed to read. And maybe you end up at, like categorizing that in a certain way. Um, I guess The Odyssey is a book high school freshmen are supposed to read as well. But when I read it, I was surprised by how there is this simplicity to the language in it and this like crazy... Uh, profundity to like the message and it is such a a neat and well-conceived work and it's really like a a work of poetry itself and i think that what you really get from the author is uh like i don't think a light is ever shown on this greg but uh she knows like she's read all of the alice's and wonderlands and the Coralines and the uh wizard of oz's and stuff and the character sort of feels like, oh, uh, excited. Like, oh, I'm going to go through one of these journeys too. A little more realistic, but sort of one of these journeys. And instead of meeting all these crazy characters and learning lessons, it's like, oh, here's the first time somebody ogled me on the bus. Yeah. You know? And so, and it's not like, it's not like uh, I thought it was going to be like that, but it is still in the back of her head when you're reading that this is not what I thought growing up was going to be. And the name again, it was House on Mango Chutney. Street. Is that? Yes, that's what it is, Mike. And then do I go? Do you guys want to hear what, what I have to share? After that, not really, but I guess go ahead. Perhaps uh, I will mock it. Mine is also, it is. It, I think it's the most mockable out of the three, because um, I know my role. Uh, it's, a, it's a lot pulpier. It's, it's another book. It's called Echoes of the Fourth Magic uh, by R.A. Salvatore, who's big in the Forgotten Realms uh, thing, but it's his, it's his first manuscript, and it's a, a dude from our time and world, and he wakes up in this like very fantastical world. But it reminded me of Spirited Away in that, uh, even though he's like an adult man, he has a lot to learn about the evils of capitalism and war, uh, like Chihiro does. But it's also that he he is surprised to find that he's in this fantastical world, and he's looking around, and he's like, "Wait, you guys are just as bad as we are back on human Earth." Like it's these are the gross things. It's not the the people or the kind of beings that are bad. It's these systems that are horrible and ruin everything that could be magical and beautiful. But and uh, there is like an extra layer of like de- depression that sinks in when this is applied to a fantasy world. It's like yeah, there's a bunch sad. of elves and unicorns and stuff. And then when he's seeing them like do deals with money and hate like the darker skinned elves, he's like, no, come on, yeah, like- you were supposed to be better than us. And they hate him because he has a gun, and they freak out, and that's the fourth magic. They all do like real spells, but he has technology. And they're like, "What the hell is that?" But it's it's a fun pulpy romp. It does sound like a like a fun movie, but it at the same or a fun book, but at the same time, it's it's like the saddest thing possible. The idea that our like poisons could in, infect the like spirit realm, mm-hmm. you know that mm-hmm. idea. And they never like uh, the spirit realm isn't necessarily like the afterlife. I understand. I don't understand everybody in the the spirit world because like Lynn is this Lynn is obviously yeah. a spirit, but like spirit of what is she? Somebody's is she a human ghost or 
Well, yeah, I mean, like it's either that we can affect the spirit realm, or that the spirit realm already has all the terrible shit that we had. So, like, oh, yeah. this is just all unavoidable. Like, no matter what, any community that gets together, it's just gonna be this awful, and that's what everyone has to do. I do with. think in like Eastern <laughs> thoughts, maybe I'll just stop there. For no, I, I do. It's all, it's all I, I do. Damn. I do think in uh in Eastern thinking, like there is this like idea that be like in the spirit world, it is like a bureaucracy. You know, like that, that yeah. those things Beetle, do Beetlejuice in. Yeah. Like, yeah, like everything has to run with, you know, red tape. And, and we've done a lot of those movies. We've done Beetlejuice. We've done Brazil of like, mm. uh, it, uh, no matter where you go, it's just like, we have to fill out forms. I'm <laughs> sorry. That's how we keep track of it. And that is the ultimate nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Forms forever. <laughs> just forms for the rest of existence? I can't. I can't, guys. Well, if you want to believe that, Greg, you must fill out a form. Okay, that does mean Greg will be filling out the forms, no. and we will be taking a quick break. And when we come back, more Spirited Away. Taste Buds, it has been mentioned uh, a couple of times throughout this episode that this is our third Miyazaki film, which we just happened to watch in chronological order. So I have to ask you, by legal mandate, how do the three movies speak to each other? Uh, like all three, like Totoro to Mononoke to this? Yeah. Well, if you just answer the question, why don't you just answer? <laughs> Sorry, Greg, we thought about it for one second. I apologize <laughs> to our audience. Uh, like, just based on the three, I would say that Totoro was great, right? Almost one that year, mm-hmm. but very simple. And watching this movie again sort of made me like Mononoke less. Uh, Mononoke felt a little bit sloppier, and it's because of Spirited Away. It's because Spirited (laughs) Away is Totoro and Mononoke jumping up in the air and giving the grandest high five possible and just having that perfect amount of patience and epicness that he was doing with those first two movies. And, like, he... This manages to get, like, both kind of the smaller... Um, feel that we got from Totoro and then the more epic feel as well. I think this is like a, a nice in-between place mm-hmm. because it's the story of like a big organization and the things they do are like as exciting. There's some scenes in this where they're like they're like action cleaning scenes that are as exciting as any bo- battle scene from Princess Mononoke but it still feels a little bit like I don't know, slightly lower stakes. But outside of the outside of the villain of Mononoke, which we praised a lot, I believe. I do not remember her name, but do you guys remember her at least? Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, outside of that, Mononoke was very, very, besides like, I want to tell a big ass story. It was very like, environment, environment, yeah. environment, Mononoke. And I could not believe how this movie handled it. Like he was very clearly in touch with that. But when you watch it as a six-year-old or then eight-year-old or then 10-year-old and then 12-year-old, like you're very slowly getting into what he's talking about as opposed to Mononoke, which was a little forced, I think. Yeah, the, the difference between Mononoke, it's, it, there's a difference between uh, complicated and complex, where I think yeah. this is a complex movie and that's a complicated movie. I think all three, his general thing is I love he has like a Star Warsian of the early days of like, there's an obviously bigger universe here. We don't know all the rules, whether it is cultural or whether it's, He's just telling a corner, but there's no real beginning or ending, so you don't need to know everything. But in Mononoke, that started to bog it down. Like, 
wait, how does that village relate to all yeah, this? Right. And then here, you're not like, why is that frog different than that other frog? Yeah. Like, just, here are the rules. It, and, and, like, the rules don't matter. And, like, I think that Mononoke may have been from a different genre than mm-hmm. not just, like, uh, this movie, but, like, everything Miyazaki's used to, whereas this movie, much like most of his movies, are fairy tales, and that was, like, a Kurosawa epic. Right, you know, yeah. and then and then you have to have a lot more like history, and here's why here's why A is doing B to C. Yeah. But with this, it was like, oh, I don't have any questions. Who like uh, none of this makes sense. I don't care at all. This yeah. is a fairy tale. <laughs> yeah, they it's they run a bathhouse. Spirits yeah. come here, and they're gonna like, take a soak. And yeah, honestly, that's the the best part. Like not feeling like you need to understand the logic of it or how it works. It's so much easier to experience this when there is such a plot heavy movie like Princess Mononoke. And yeah, you feel like you're supposed to know the twists and turns of it. You don't just enjoy sitting there staring at like the amazing visuals in quite the same way. But Mononoke had tribes, right? And like point three, right. like it wanted to like do a movie about tribes. And this movie was like, uh, Chihiro is it. That is, that's what we're doing. And so all, everything that we learned was through her eyes. I don't know if there was a single scene in this movie where she was not involved, where they, she wasn't in the scene or they weren't talking about her in this movie uh, where she's going to some fucking, you know, Wonderland or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes it so much more focused. I think that means that like we can focus on uh, her and the world as opposed to being like, wait, hold on. Did, did try be hate? Try. I don't remember. And I don't like this. This is the Epic that Mononoke was practiced for. And it doesn't, I don't think Mononoke was bad. I just, I don't think it's spirited away. Well, something can be, Something being good doesn't make something else worse. It just that's means it is, better, no. it is better. You've been down. on the internet, right, Mike? That's <laughs> Mike, Mike, you're on a show where we yeah. enter into a bracket where we push other movies out for other movies. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, but uh, like the other thing, too, is that like I think that the characters in Mononoke talked so much about how we should protect the Earth. You know, like they yeah. literally said it. And in here, we didn't, the main thing that we got was... A uh, uh, a monster made of shit right. that we watched troll all the way into town, and then it was it sort of felt like a Kevin Smith gross out movie for the a Gogotha while. The shit demon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> until until a certain point where we realized that oh no, this is a uh, a man destroyed this river thing. And I love the touch. I love the touch of the thing that like they actually the first thing that they pull out of them is a bicycle handle uh-huh. and i don't i don't know if this is like looking too hard on it but like people it, it, it was an adult bicycle and it's probably somebody who was like i don't fucking i don't drive cars because that ruins the environment i ride my <laughs> bicycle and then when he was done with the bicycle he just fucking wheeled it right into the river <laughs> and helped create this fucking thing who was if you guys looked at his face was in serious pain. Like this right. is the yeah. saddest that anything was in this movie. And 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 that I, I know we're not talking about Shahira specifically here, but that is the she can see that where the rest just see a big shit demon and how she's gross got that it is. Terminator vision. She has like, the she kind, homes in. Yeah, her, the kind Terminator. That's what I mean, Shahira like, is. They basically say like they they mytholo- mythologize it by saying like it's a lion with a thorn in its paw. Right. Right. Like they they just say that thing. Yeah. But it's interesting the way you see like that spirit is the victim of something, mm-hmm. but the way in which it's rendered a pariah, I thought was, was like very effective imagery because it's like it ultimately is, you know, uh, subjected to all of this poisoning. And then everywhere it goes, it's just like 
being driven right. away. I mean, the idea that they they clean things—that's what they do—and they're like, "Please turn back. We are closed for the evening." Yeah, but I mean, like that—it's it, rich and powerful, you know. Yeah. And like, but they don't know that. Like, once they realize that it's rich and powerful, then they will do whatever it takes. But and they it think rem- it belongs to like the lowest cast of spirits, right? But it reminds, me, it, it reminds me of like recent texts from NBA players of like when I go down to my mailbox, I am just a. I'm just a black guy, you know, like I don't, you know, like I I can get beat by the police no matter what. This is like until they see the gold that or like the power that could come out of it. They're all disgusted by it. So thinking, thinking about Miyazaki with these three films and any other you may have seen uh, for some reason, not to talk about on this show. Is it, is it useful to think about him as the Japanese Walt Disney or does that limit his scope? Yeah, I think that's a pretty simplistic. Like that's I I guess people say that because maybe because Disney Company owns all their movies or because they both guys like started. Yeah, and well, both I, I mean, it's an entire country that looks to this one person as how yeah. we're going to do animation, how you're going to speak for a country for better or worse. So but I get it in so that reductive, part. It feels like because it feels like like this is way less a part of like corporate machinery than right. the average Disney movie is especially because like i think you can look at miyazaki's movies and be like he's saying this about japan and maybe because he has more control but like i don't know if you can watch snow white and be like here's what walt was trying to say about america at the time like his does seem the fairy tale isn't as a analogy it's just like i don't know it was public domain bitches no I (laughs) i absolutely do think that you can like he obviously he like he had severe control and he was like this is what i want it to look like and what he wanted it to look like was that uh, bad things get punished, and white women win, and we should all help the white woman. There's a ton of things in there, you know. Right. Like, there's a ton of uh, I don't uh, theories, I guess, on the internet about how uh, Spirited Away is about like uh, uh, the the main character becoming like a whore in a brothel, <laughs> and I don't like I don't think because that's she has true. to work for money. She has to go to a bathhouse and get a job and then change her name. And this is all exactly like how bathhouses worked back then. And I don't think that like Miyazaki was going for that. I think that's just part of his like, you know, background and like what he was thinking about. I don't like, I don't think he was trying to tell a story about prostitution. I think that like his inner self became his outer self. And I think that you can read that in all Walt Disney movies of like, stop being dirty, become a hero. If you're not the one, then you, you should become the one. I think it's all there. I, I think that he definitely is playing on the the bathhouse angle because I think that he's very much like saying that capitalism kind of makes us all into whores. Uh, so I think that he's very much like, I think that's a glimmer in there. I think people take things that are like resonances or like, I think sometimes these, these things open up doors to other universes without ever saying like, this is supposed to, this whole thing is a parable that means this. It's just like, there's imagery in there that makes that makes you reflect on that. The fact that all these women are taking these men in, like they're constantly getting these like little tokens, right. And being like, I'm going to take this guy off to this room now and bathe him. That does feel like there's at least the potential for that to be in there. At least the glimmer. And yeah. And take away your name, take away your uh, personality. I'm going to, I'm going to own you now. Yeah. And I'm going to make you dirty. Like, like the, 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 they're afraid to No, they're touch. making them not dirty. They're cleaning them, Greg. Yeah. But, but like, they're afraid to touch the really dirty spirits right. because they don't want to, they don't want to get dirty themselves. So there's like this idea that this could, this place could pollute you and it pollutes no face, right? It pollutes everybody. Mm. It really like, it washes away one type of stink, but it applies it, another. But no, the whole thing is that it, it will definitely pollute you. It's just how far, how long can you make it until you realize that? 
how 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 much can I push that off before I realize that I have been polluted by this? But I oh, oh. speed round. Man, it is speed round because that's what the robot just said. <laughs> how does Spirited Away manage to make a bathing scene one of the most epic things we've discussed on the show? Which poop. we will be discussed right now. <laughs> it's poop. Yeah, if you just add poop, then everything is better, I think. I mean, it's worse, but it's better. This movie is part of what uh, he's an expert of is drawing back the bow of tension. Um, he does it when the parents are walking into the theme park. It's like seriously 10 minutes of like, they're going to go into this theme park, but she doesn't want them to. And there's that tension drawing back more and more and more when she's going to go down those stairs early on, but she's afraid to. Mm-hmm. And then one breaks and, it, and she just sprints down. Oh, that was it's that, like so, three so, minutes. It's three stairs? minutes of her like trying to slowly go down. Yeah. And then she runs so, down as, as if she was like the roadrunner. Such a good blend of terror and humor there because uh-huh. it is terrifying. She could plummet to her death, but then the way she smacks right into that building, it was super funny there. And yeah, then it's too- the same thing with the stink monster scene. And that's part of like, it's just this, you see him coming and he's coming so slowly and mm-hmm. they try to stop him, but they can't. And it's like this, this like string kept, keeps getting drawn back more and more and more. And then the release of him being purged is so disgusting really really awful for all like the beautiful things in this movie that is horrible and terrible it is 100% the obverse and then when he's cleansed of that then it's a relief of all that pressure and, and tension I felt it off my back like I yeah. really felt like I, I felt like 30 pounds lighter the other thing yeah. too we have to remember is <laughs> that, that this is 2001 sense. like this is the end of the peak of you know uh, Kevin Smith and American Pie and there was just jizz and shit everywhere in movies <laughs> Yeah. And the fact that like this just felt like a legit tense, awesome set piece as opposed to trying to like get people into how much poop there was, I think that uh, kind of, is kind of an accomplishment. Right. And then also the whole bathhouse like goes off afterwards, including yeah. the radish spirit, which is hardly moved at that point. And then he's <laughs> doing like almost like that jester dance. Uh, like that's that's dope, man. You got the radish spirit wilding. How many bouncing green heads do you think you could handle? Two. One tops. I would say one. that I I think that I could do two because I, I could hit them against each other. <laughs> Turn them on each other. Ryan. Yeah, I like Ryan and I, Greg. You answered honestly the first time, but then you thought it was like a Price is Right deal, so you changed it to three, and I don't like that. <laughs> what do you think it means that the characters seem to go back and forth between friends to rivals and back again? <laughs> I mean, just like. Hey, uh, no matter how many like monsters, re- sorry, I said hey, much like the fucking no face. But uh, no matter how weird and fantasy this world uh, seems, it's fucking real life, bro. And we're just going to uh, like each other, hate each other, like each other, hate each other for our yeah. entire lives. It's, it's most notable with Lynn, who at, at d- different points is I like, oh, I have to, I have to pretend to hate you, and then. But like Jahira like cannot keep up with like where she stands with this woman for the first like fifteen minutes of their which, relationship. When she meets Shahiro, she's like, You dope. You fucking, yeah, you fucking dope. Suck. You piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. But it does seem to be like that's uh Haku has that too with her where depending on certain times he's friendly with her, both of them are like, when anybody else is around and it's not like cast wise, there might be some of that, but it's also like, look, there's rules here and we might all go down if they yeah. see us being friendly. Haku's playing three dimensional chess. He really is, though, right? Because he's like, I got to get out of here. And the way I'm going to do that is by pretending I'm my captor's, like, best soldier. And, and then, then at, right acting like out- Yubaba is, like, best employee in front of her, hoping that Chihiro just goes with him. And she does because right. she's in <laughs> love because he's pretty. <laughs> uh, Lynn is played by Susan Egan in the 
English dub who is Meg uh, from Hercules, uh, which is why she got the. It is just the yeah. most attractive voice, and uh, I, I just I, there's a way this person talks that I'm in love with, and so Lynn and Meg. Plus, they're both kind of mean. Yeah, none of this is a question. I'm just <laughs> using this time as a confessional. Uh, what does that say about me? Nailed it. They- that you're just like me that like uh you like the uh disney princesses that are right in the middle as far as looks go but then their attitude shoots them up to be number one no matter what right is mike more of that big baby i should have read these first or is he the stink (laughs) monster big baby mike is the big baby for sure (laughs) the way that he stomps around and demands things Right, man. Was anybody else getting major Akira vibes from that baby and from that baby's room? Like, I would have loved if he shot his fat, chubby, giant arm out, and then it just kept growing and growing and growing until he get his bottle or pacifier. But I have to imagine that that that's at least a nod to Akira. Like that that baby's room seemed so much like where they kept those little kids from Akira. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> blanked out there sorry Thanks, Mike. <laughs> totally blanked out had a thing forgot a thing uh what do you think it would say like the baby obviously and the bird thing liked being their smaller selves better is that their own arc and growth process like now that they're not like huge and magical and ferocious they're like oh there's a different side to us you know what go back to the disney fight well i think that like it was very important in this movie for everything to change you know and mm-hmm. for chihiro to go from a girl to a woman but for literally everything else that has like at least more than three lines to go from a to b everything had to change you know even yubaba who like doesn't go from a form a to a form b has the ability to just be like Bloop, and i'm a bird well she's filling uh, out form a and form b and yeah and i think with that is that like uh you guys uh, we changed you and I'm sorry and that sucks, but you know, like they sort of realize like how awful they were before and how mm. great they are for like Disney material in a third act in this moment. <laughs> and then they're like, no, I don't want to change. I want to stay just like this. And that's awesome for like, imagine if like flounder and scuttle or whatever, they were like, no, this is, this is what we have to do. We have to be I, like this. We have to stay here. I think there's a potential second meaning. And I don't know if this is a reach on my part though, but on a, on a, in a movie about work and toil, I noticed that they seem to enjoy the job they have at uh, Zenobia's house. Run around uh, which, that wheel? Yeah, which yeah. is because I feel like they feel like they are part of a team in that effort and that they're not under the thumb of anybody. So they're actually, it's not work that is like shown as bad in this movie. It's this idea that like you wouldn't be part of a commune, that you would instead be part of like an exploited class. They are fine with running on that wheel as long as it's their choice. And they'll like they'll stay in that form to do it. The other thing too, though, is that uh, I feel like a Disney-fied villain, you know, like uh, whoever's against Sleeping Beauty or Snow White, uh, just hates her. But mm-hmm. to add the baby to Yubaba, like that gives her not just a little bit more humanity, but a little yeah. bit more passion. You know, like I have to go and win the day because now I am right. also fighting for something. Because not only and she's the other- victim of something, or like she's under the thumb of something, right? Like she's not in ultimate control because she is like sort of under the control of that big baby. Yeah, and it's the it, it's <laughs> what makes it even more right. worse is that like uh, the baby grew the ba- like you know just like Ch- Chihiro just did and like stop growing. But no, like it, it went from being a baby that was incapable of everything to being a uh, mouse that was yeah. much smaller, but like mm-hmm. now is part of the story and then says, hey, mom, I grew, I arced a little bit. I don't need you anymore as much as I did. And also, I think what you're doing is bad, which is, you know, what all the parents don't want to happen. So uh, the the baby sort of like became 
its own character because of the transformation. While giving us the best Disney sidekicks. They're fucking funny and adorable. And I wanted to roll Uh my eyes and hate them, but I love them way too much. Is the music up to par with the rest of the presentation? I say no. I don't know if I totally understand what the music's doing because it seemed to have like maybe two different scores that kind of like uh, were like used depending on the the mood or maybe even a third. Um, but a lot of times that I wasn't really feeling like the p- the kind of piano score, and sometimes I felt like it was kind of disjointed with what was going on in the action of the movie. Like like it didn't respond to the movie in the way that I thought it would um, by swelling during just like a simple conversation, but not. Not at the moments where you think it would swell, or this—I uh, mean, this is a hard question because we might be watching very different Versions. scores, all yeah. three of us. But I—I uh, I, kind of liked it because it, it held back. It was more Bernard Herman from Psycho than John Williams from Jaws. But uh, and it did the—it did the Back to the Future thing of like, <laughs> you know, and like, Zimmer though. Every time you realized, in, instead of like having a full-on hardcore Harry Potter score, uh, good point, Greg. I, instead of having a full-on all the time uh, Hans Zimmer score, it would just it would do the Back to the Future thing of like you would realize something and it would go like, Bud-a-la-boo. yeah, it felt complimentary in that like you come here for the like this. It's obviously there and you would notice if it's gone, but it never overpowers and it's not trying to uh, control See, your I emotions. Did, I did feel like it overpowered a couple of times. I felt like the piano score during a couple of conversations over hmm. overpowered the emotional depth of that one particular conversation. Maybe it's just that I was also playing perfect piano at the same time I was watching it. That's that might have fucked is. me up. Yeah. I don't know if that's fair, really, to do. Uh, pigs have ten minutes orgasms. Just, just saying. Yeah. Right. I mean, hard to I, argue with that. I, I think that if you added all of my orgasms up of my entire life, it would not equal ten minutes. Like I am, I am uh, quick and quick. Like quick to orgasm, quick to be done with orgasm. Yeah. Who? Nobody has like long. Once you're coming. It's not long, right? Do you think the parents like retain that? Do you think they're freaks now? <laughs> they're just... Yeah, dude, I think so. I bet like he goes back, except he still has the like the corkscrew penis or whatever. I feel like the the worst thing that you can find is a dude who had who's capable of multiple long orgasms. That person will be in- intolerable to be around. Yeah, I think when choosing a man, the important thing is get a refractory period that's like yeah. long enough for him to like lose interest and go start doing something else. <laughs> Even if it's a different woman, find that guy. <laughs> go Keeping run and play, honey. <laughs> on the topic of pigs, if your favorite food turned you into a pig, what flavor pop tart would it be? What flavor pop tart? Mm-hmm. Are pop tarts flavors? Are, you, wait, you Strap? think there's just one flavor of pop tart? Pop tart, please. Mm, I love that pop tart taste. Well, I mean, like, there's types of pop tart. Are there flavor? It, strawberry, it strawberry, Mike. I don't care what it is. It's just gonna Frosted have fro- strawberry. frosting on top of it. No matter what it is, it, there's frosting on top. Eileen Schmores. Wait, are there dry pop tarts? Yeah, yeah. Without there's frosting. A, there's That's a lot of pop tarts, and like, I think that all pop tarts yeah. with frosting are good. A yeah, lot of childhoods like were that. ruined that way. Right. I I hear that the brown sugar ones are supposed to be really good, but I'm not looking for more sweet things in my life. So because especially because Rolling Stones are like the people in the commercial. That's so weird, guys. It's a very racist song by them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Don't karaoke that song. That is all the time we have for the speed round. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, awards. Taste buds, it is that time we all know and love. We are here to give some awards. And I do believe Spirited Away was nominated for awards back in the day. It won Best Animated Feature. That's pretty important. 
That's an but Oscar. You, that is a full-on Oscar. But you know what's more important? The five awards we're giving away tonight, starting with the best character design, Greg. Okay. This is the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my entire life associated with this show. Uh, I went back and forth. I I won't list them all because probably we're, we're going to talk about a, a few of them, but I just have to give shout outs to Duck Spirit. They clearly. Hey, it's never, I still have to go. Let me list them all. I'm second it, in here. It's never he talked has a good about. Point. It's never talked about, but they clearly just like to have things on their heads. Yeah, uh, they do. So I won't run through a whole list of them, but I, I, my, the ultimate choice though, what I fell on was, Yubaba. I can't help it. Like uh, I loved every second she's on the screen. I find her like the most like engrossing animated character I've ever seen. She may be bad. But uh, I couldn't take my eyes off her. Hey, you Baba. All right. So, Greg, let's talk about a couple of these. Uh, I cannot believe you did not say the triplet ducks with leaves on their heads. That is the most great thing I've ever fucking seen in my entire life. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I know. It was you. You don't know how hard it was not to make that my final. That was his honorable mention. I, I respected it. Their wide-eyed looks, Ryan, and uh, like I don't know what it is, but they they feel comfortable when they have a leaf on their head, mm-hmm. and so when they're in the bath, if they can't find a leaf, they put a towel on their head, and like it makes me f- feel a little like angry how cute that is. Was there a like, moment in the movie where somebody was like, "Who hurt you?" Was that Frog Guy One, Frog Guy Two, one of those ducks with the leaves on their heads? Like, <laughs> were they mentioned in dialogue? I don't think so. They were just always background having a good old time. I think at one point somebody might say duck spirit, but I, it, it might not. <laughs> they might never have been. The other one that has to be Ryan turtle or rather a uh, frog in like a like little kimono. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, especially when he's walking and he's trying to avoid <laughs> the hay spirit. The, no face? the problem like, with a lot of these, they, did, they didn't get enough animation. And yeah. so, Mike, this is not my thing. I'm just talking to Greg right now. Uh, the I'll other one I. I'm not going to nominate is Radish Spirit, where it comes into the movie in this perfect point where you're like, I I think I like this, but maybe I like this movie. Maybe I don't. You don't know. And then Radish Spirit comes in. You're like, I will never stop watching this movie. I just want to watch him walk. I want to hear his steps. I want to see his little fucking uh, uh, flesh mustache flap around (laughs) in the room. Oh, God. But when his eye just like. They're in the elevator together, and just his eye moves like the <laughs> Triceratops from Jurassic Park or something. Like just his like looking at her all of a sudden is enough to make you want to like shout out. And I gotta say, one of the reasons this is the best movie of all time is uh, we didn't. I don't think we talked about it enough when Chihiro was like, uh, "How about this shit? None of those pigs are my parents." And then the whole <laughs> the whole town fucking cheers, including Radish Spirit. He is moving yeah. more than we have ever seen him before. So, who's your answer there, Ryan? It's Kamaji. It's uh, I have to I have to think that somebody animating this movie has an uncle or a dad or a brother or somebody that has tiny glasses and a big mustache. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a spider person, and his arms stretch forever, and he can uh, reach into all the cupboards behind him. And he's also like a slave, and he's trying to like be okay with it, but he's clearly not. And he's trying to yeah. like he's trying to like drip his slavery down on other people. Like if he yells at the soot enough, then maybe he doesn't feel like his he's more of a slave master. But it's just it's so weird. Like Radish Spirit is just like a hey, uh, okay, you drew a white circle and that's the character. Good job. But Kamaji, I think, is uh, insane to see in a movie. 
yeah, it, it feels like he should be more villainous, but he has like that heart of gold, and you yeah. can see all of that in his design. And he knows Shihiro right away. He's like, "Get out of here, bitch!" Oh, no, you might be good. Uh, I'm gonna have to give it to Kamaji as the best character design. Uh, next up is uh, horntiest food. What part is the horntiest food scene? Starting with you, Ryan, this time. I mean, uh, this movie loves food. A uh, couple of things I want to point out, but I can't because Greg is going next, so I won't. I'll just say what I think. And it's really hard to get away from uh, to hear his parents who will just grab onto whatever entire cooked or fried or baked animal they can get their hands on and shove it directly into their mouth. I cannot believe how these people eat, and I want to eat like that. This is why you guys don't see me eat. It's because this is the way that I eat. It's such a sexual experience that you can't submit that to anybody. Greg? This movie has a, like, I know that, like, this movie celebrates food and that it draws, like, very pretty pictures of it, but it seems to have, like, a kind of fucked up relationship with food. Uh, Chihiro seems to be celebrated for, like, not wanting to eat anything, and then she's made to eat a couple of different times, and it, like, fortifies her, but it seems like her choice is not to eat at all, and for her to be the moral center of the movie, that's weird, especially when so many other creatures, their gluttony is personified in, like, uh, being heavy. And as a heavy person, like I kind of like some of the, some of the strays from this movie <laughs> kind of hit me. Um, a lot of these things are shown to be that their weakness is 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 codified in the fact that they are like fat and flabby. Yeah, and, I mean, th- uh, this movie sort of says at points like, "Oh, what are you, a Nazi or a fascist, or like you're a terrible person or you're evil?" Doesn't matter. You're not as bad as people who eat a lot. Yeah, God you're not damn like it, you're fat disgusting. Baby. <laughs> Uh, and then the only way things get redeemed is like when they purge until they're not fat anymore. So I just I'm not totally comfortable with this with, with the movie's actual relationship with food, mm-hmm. and I'm also not uncomfortable with the fact that they turn people into pigs and then they seem to eat pigs, oh, uh, yeah. including the thing that looked really good to me, which was like this huge what I assume is a steamed pork bun that Lynn and um, Chihiro share at one point that looks so good to me. Hell but yeah, I know they so good. I know they put pork in that, but like I'm just really those like dumplings or any of those like 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 little like breaded things are so good. Uh, it's probably my parents, but I gotta have that spiced pork. Yeah, it's crazy. Shahiro doesn't eat her parents, but she does eat no. somebody's parents yeah. right there. Yeah, <laughs> like, she eats some humans that return to the pigs. To have a pork dumpling the size of your head is amazing. <laughs> but uh, so you go split these with a friend on it, like dude. Nope. I'm going to I'm going to pass out and fall asleep right after I eat it. <laughs> but uh because it's horntiest, not just most delicious, right. the sexual fervor that those parents <laughs> eat that all of the food with is You know what? Like I'm not wild. super into sex and, and or food. You know what turns me on the most? Just being able to say, I have cash and credit cards. So, <laughs> I think it all combines into one you right. Kick now. down that Morton's door and just yell that out and see what happens. Your next award is uh spirited awayest. <laughs> starting with you greg <laughs> so this one was my second hardest award to pick what was the most spiritiest away um at first i was gonna be like okay the parents because they fucking just drive by a magic castle and they can't help but like go right into it and start eating the food that's right there uh then i was gonna say me because i've never been so transported by a movie but finally i'm gonna say that it is uh japan Japan itself, I think, is shown as like having lost 
lost contact with its spirit because it's not the same thing as um, Mishima. It's not like we have to reclaim a dying spirit and then we decide that it's not there. I really do feel... Well, Mishima like, was like, uh, we lost the spirit. And then Mishima was like, I'll prove that we should have done that the entire time. Like, yeah. I will prove them right. Well, his thing is like, if they all follow me and decide to embrace Bushido code again, then I'll know that the spirit is still here. And when they're like, no, you're absurd. He's like, the spirit's definitely dead forever. Um, but so ultimately I say Japan, the spirit is still there, Japan, from what I can tell. It's just, uh, you need to be in contact with it again. Maybe find a magic little girl. So you're saying, uh, Japan wasn't spirited away, but it has gone away from its spirits. Yeah. It's spirited it away. Interesting interpretation of the award. Ryan. And by, I was going to say me, cause I, this movie spirited me away, but, uh, it seems like it's spirited away. Greg Moore, so I'm going to say Greg. Greg is my answer. <laughs> that might be right. <laughs> I think I think it was based on the text and him throughout today. Ryan. It feels weird, but I'm giving Ryan the point for Greg for being the most spirited away by spirited away. I just love away. being transported. Uh, in that same vein, the settiest piece. What is the, the best set piece of the film? Ryan. Oh, I think it has to go like because uh, it's it's sort of in the middle because we want Chihiro to be not the petulant little baby, but also not you know like fighting to save the day. Right in the middle comes the stink monster and all of her how great she is at being Chihiro and how terrible she is at being Chihiro all comes together here in a nonstop poop fest that'll keep your family clapping forever. I cannot believe how much the poop delighted me i cannot believe how much how much that uh that that board with the uh the 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 herbal steam like the herbal water coming down the second one where it was like oh this poop's gonna get defeated <laughs> how, like how that felt like captain america punching ultron in the face right like bath that's all we need to do is just like give each other a bath take a nice i i, I, I think the set piece right stands up with a uh, uh, a lot of the mcu like big bangers <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, Chihiro versus the Stink Monster is the obvious choice. Great. Yeah, uh, I have no choice but to just piggyback off that. And I, I will say this. I saw this movie uh, a long time ago when it first came out, and I forgot most of it. But the thing I didn't forget is all this shit like pouring out of <laughs> out of this creature. And there are times where I have, you know, been worrying about like payments that I have to make or maybe subscriptions that I have that I don't utilize effectively enough or whether or not my car is too expensive or I should get rid of it. And in those moments, I imagine like purging all of this stuff from my system and just not being so bogged down by all this shit that I have like caught up in my river. And this is like this, the image of this thing happening has been like something that I have thought of when I've been just absolutely overwhelmed by just like the, the world and the, the consumerist capitalist part of the world that, that besets our, our spirits. But really, besides all that, it's just a banger of a scene. It's so cool. And you care so much about it. And when they succeed, you feel as triumphant as everybody else does. It's, it's this, this, the amazing heart of a wonderful movie. Oh yeah. I hate to do it. Ryan. Greg. <laughs> both get a point for that one. And your final award of the evening is the director's signature moment. Greg. Okay. This is always so hard for me because I don't do a good job paying attention about directors. Uh, and then I don't say things that are specific enough. So I'll say this one. Those dust guys. Those dust guys are in Totoro, man. 
We've mm-hmm. seen those dust spirits before. The little the soot, soot fairies. Uh, they're wonderful, and I think he. It reminds us that, like, he through this reminds us that, like, the smallest, like, least seeming significant spirits can, like, be imbued with importance. And I think she learns from the soot spirits. She learns a valuable lesson about like being helpful but not being walked on. And I think she carries that forward. And I think those little soot guys end up being a, a huge part of the movie. Ryan rebuttal. Fuck you, Greg. How about that shit? (laughs) You must be out of your goddamn mind. (laughs) I I really want to talk about the... uh, Now that Greg is gone. So now Greg and I can talk about like things that we almost nominated but didn't. Greg, what did you think about that scene where Haku and uh, Tahiro were like... We didn't need them to like follow up on their relationship, but they got to fly in the sky and have her remind him that he's a river spirit and then Uh fall together... That's Miyazaki as fuck. But I have to go with... um, It's just Chihiro in general. Like, this could have been any other lead character. And typically, it would have been somebody who was a little bit more white and a little bit more boy. You know? Like, even in... Like, even coming out of this, like, you know, area. Like, uh, uh, this sounds like a fucking story for a preteen boy. And it's not. It's... it, it, It goes to Chihiro, a... 12-year-old going on 13, going on 40-year-old girl who needs more stories. And, you know, and like he said before he made it that, like, I met a girl who seemed down. And the reason that she seemed down is because she doesn't have enough stories for her and that he grew up having a ton of stories for him. And the fact that he always, always dedicates all this time to figure out whether it's the lead of Totoro or Mononoke or uh, Spirit Away or movies that we haven't watched like Kiki's Delivery Service or whatever, that, like... These girls need more stories about them. That's I think that's the most Miyazaki as fuck. I read that he um, was like hanging out with this girl that he like both his daughter and he was like a family friend. They know this girl and they were his daughter was hanging out with her. And that's like she became the basis of Chihiro. And he said he like wanted to look at the magazines she was reading to like see like the heart of her. And he was looking she at was the like magazines. being a bitch, right? Like she was kind of being a butthole. I think so, yeah. And he wanted yeah. to find out like about her spirit and everything. Because I think he kind of liked the fact that she was like a little obstinate. Right. And he looked at the magazines and he said, like, these don't speak to her actual spirit. Right. Like they're not like she cares about really big important things. And, and these it's all magazines, tiger beat. Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. Boys they had crushes on and stuff. And and he said, like, they don't know the heart of her. I I can see that like I can tell a story about the heart of her that like we don't have right now. It's either it's either Tiger Beat or it's like uh, G.I. Joe or whatever, where it's like, get the fuck away from the girl so that you can go win the day. Like, the girl yeah. is holding you back. And it's those two things combined just, like, left her sad. Well, I got to tell you, uh, Greg had a very specific thing, and then Ryan just said, the protagonist, and I rolled my eyes, and I was like, well, it's going to be the fucking soot things. Uh, and then that goddamn explanation about... Everybody needs. Do you want me to stories. do the set one again? I'll do the so, set one again if you want me to. I, I guess right. I'll just run through the set thing again real quick. Just run through right that. Those are your <laughs> awards. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, reveal who will be my best friend for the next week and how we think Spirited Away will do. Taste buds. That is unfortunately all the time we have to talk about Spirited Away, and I'm very sad. Boo. I know. I agree. The crowd agrees. Boo, boo this man. No, not me. Boo him. Boo you, Mike. No. No, boo no don't listen to Greg. Listen to me. Boo don't listen to Greg. Everybody. 
I do think it kind of sucks though because uh, when you're a movie podcast that just like reviews whatever came out that week, it's like uh, we don't know. This is not our responsibility. We'll just we'll review whatever. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But for us, we don't do that. We you know we pick and choose and we have brackets and stuff. And then watching a movie like this makes me think about like Breakfast Club and Fight Club and other clubs that clubs. Uh, uh, club based movies that we watch. Be like, well, what the fuck, man? Like we should do another Spirit Away episode instead of any of that. This is, again, this is in my top 10 movies of all time. That's, yeah. You said that, and I was like, oh, interesting. And yeah, I, I fully understand uh, why. And I'm, Before you watched it, you mean? Yeah. I, I wasn't like, oh, I, I, I knew I liked Miyazaki and Ghibli, so I was like, yeah, probably. But I, I had never heard you talk about it before, so I was mad at you for never doing that. I was mad at me for not seeing it before, and now I'm doubly so on both. Yeah, it, it feels like the movie that like uh, – Pulls up next to you, lights a uh, cigar, and it's like, what else do you want from a fucking movie, dude? Mm-hmm. We didn't even talk about the fact that all of these spirits smoke cigarettes nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is just a whole world of smoking spirits. Well, uh, one of you has been my friend, and one of you has been my enemy. Based on the awards, one of you will be my friend, and one of you will be my enemy, because that's just how this works. Uh, I don't know if it will remain the same or a switch. Uh, I got to tell you that how it evens out is it, it was a good show. It was a good showing by both contestants. I'm proud of you both uh, as the panelists move the year. Ryan, you did come out with 38 points. Whoa. That's a lot of points, Ryan. But Greg, you came out with 33 points. Yeah, that was mean. I knew you were being mean. And so I did. Everyone knew what Mike was I doing didn't. right there, right? So like, but no matter what I do, it. you fucks are like, we knew what you were going to do. So how I are know. you supposed to do it? You fucking. What is your damage? Jerks. You should say them both at the same time. Oh, okay. I, I, I do have to say, though, that uh, at the end of last week's episode, Greg was like, oh, my God, thank God I won that because if I didn't win that. like, Because, yeah. you know, like, Fellowship is like a big movie for him. Yeah. After this, for 2001, like, it's all it's all me and Greg tied for everything. But, like, this is, uh, I, like, this is my movie. Yeah. You know? mm. So yeah. You, And you I, on the it. other hand, didn't care. So it's clear. Is it even really a victory if one of the people didn't even did didn't even try? Ryan, one with thirty nine <laughs> points there. <laughs> because you guys can't see it, most of the time that we were recording, Greg was just shaving squirrels' tails. He was yeah. shaving the tails of squirrels the entire time. I'm not even hey. deeply invested in this. Hey, hey, hey. squirrels! It is squirrels. gross. So it how... really does sound like Rivers Cuomo. It does, <laughs> like a lot. Uh, and it's connected to river spirits so maybe there's something Wait going a on minute. there hang on <laughs> and mayor cuomo <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. how do you feel spirited away could do going forward this is this is a question that you should not ask my I know. this is a question that like ruins the entire <laughs> yeah. season here's what i'm thinking i'm thinking of a movie that i uh, i uh, there's a movie that i like more than this that a movie that like fucks me up but if either one of you don't like it that much, then it's just fucking done. And I think Spirit Away runs away with this entire season. Yeah, I don't, I mean. I like I just, not knowing. This is the story of a girl, right? Who and? runs a bath and, and saves a whole world. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know? Uh, it, it, we're not supposed to say that uh, right. this, this is definitely going to be the movie of the year, so. <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you guys this, like. We we fawned all over Totoro and Mononoke. Do you guys think that this is years and light years beyond that? 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, I think the only thing I'm kind of sad about, and this is a weird thing to say, but it's a total Greg type thing. The only thing I'm sad about is I know this is his best movie. I I really, I don't think that there's a possibility. There's no going up from here. Yeah, so I feel a little sad about that because this is the third of his movies I've seen. And I just, I I would be very, very surprised if he has another movie in the league of this movie. I'm sure they're all very, very good, you know, but like, Mm -hmm. this is like, this goes into the rarefied air of of movies of the year movies. It's like up there with like three or four (laughs) other movies. It's for one second while I was watching it, or for like uh, you know two hours and five minutes worth of seconds while I was watching. I was thinking about all the people that I know who are like animated movies. Fuck that! They're not good. They're for kids. They're stupid. They're automatically stupid. And I just wanted to fight them all. Mm -hmm. Like this is, I think this is in my top ten movies of all time. Yeah, it's not. It's not a good animated movie. It's a great movie. Yeah, there's there's no qualifiers needed for any part of it. Also, I think we grew like in part. I think we grew up with really really bad animation, especially on TV. And part of the way that they did it was like they didn't put anything interesting on the screen. And so, (laughs) like, I don't think most people know that animation can be like this. It can be as like as like intricate as any drawing you've ever seen, and then moving at like thirty frames a second or whatever. Whereas the stories about this movie, like uh like all the people who are like, oh you can't watch this movie once or twice and get it, like you have to watch it three or four or ten times. All the stories are like Miyazaki was liter pop filter Hall of Famer Miyazaki was literally animating and drawing things into corners that you would never expect all the way up to distribution time. Wow. Like the every single cell is like, oh, print that out, and I'm going to frame it, and I'm going to put it on my wall. Yeah. yeah, some say that each VHS that came out, because they were still around, he, w- he would draw a different one as it would go out the door. <laughs> Classic Miyazaki. <laughs> Did you guys ever feel bad? Oh, oh no. <laughs> that horrifying sound means we need to wrap it up. But what did we ever feel bad about? What, Greg? <clears throat> like knowing how hard it can be at some animation studios. Like you look at like a really nice scene and you feel like, was this made by the the equivalent of soot? Like, where, oh yeah, where artists treated the way that like the 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 bathhouse people were treated to create this. Four thousand people made twelve cents in order for me to see that one second of shit. Yeah, that's a good note to end on. I think. <laughs> cruel crowd, cruel crowd out there. They do not care about the people who make the things they love. Uh, we'll see how Spirited Away does for the rest of the season. Uh, it's the best movie I've ever seen. Okay, wow. so it's already jumped from in the it top 10 to the best. Upwards. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, you both had a great showing. I love talking about movies with you. Uh, we all need these moments so badly right now. Not this weekend, because it's been a pretty good fucking weekend for the whole country. Uh, next week, Try we are watching. What weekend <laughs> yeah, yeah, is this? <laughs> Uh, if the Red Wedding was worth celebrating. Next week, we are watching Piano Teacher, uh, which is a mystery to all of us. Uh, so watch Mike, with us. You want, a couple weeks ago, we did, uh, I'm thinking of ending things, and we did Charlie Kaufman characters for the Rushmore. Uh-huh. Do you want to change the Rushmore to Michael Haneke characters yeah. and see how that mountain Let's looks? see how many funny games end up on the mountain. <laughs> Until then, keep watching those movies. <laughs>